Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Worship at Fusion. We're so glad that you've joined us in person, as well as to those of you joining us online. Welcome. And now hear the word of the Lord. Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Amen. I invite you to stand and worship with us.
Good morning. Um, if there's kiddos that want to go to children's ministry this morning, you can head this direction. I believe there's teachers through third grade, but if you're a fourth and fifth grader that wants to join them, you may go do so. Um, my name is Dee Stahl. If you don't know who I am, and I am the uh, congregational uh, care coordinator here at Heart of Wyke, so I'm glad to be with you guys this morning. And um, why don't you pray with me, please? Hear these words from Psalm 86. Hear me, Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Guard my life, for I am faithful to you. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, Lord, for I put my trust in you. You, Lord, are forgiving and good abounding in love to all who call to you. Father, we thank you so much for your love for us, for your grace that's given to us in Jesus, the unearned favor that you bless us with. Thank you that you are our Father in heaven, providing for us, protecting us, continuing to look out for us, continuing to be there for us, even when we make mistakes. Jesus, for being our brother, our friend, our savior, and being faithful to the Father in heaven and laying down your life for all of us. God, forgive us for all the times in any given day that we take that sacrifice for granted. You didn't make that sacrifice based on how many times we would fail you. You made that sacrifice knowing that we would fail you in times. Lord, we thank you for this community of Heart Awake Ministries, people who are anchored in you. We have different mindsets, different backgrounds, different opinions, but still we're one family. We're one community restored and renewed in you. Together, there are many situations, many circumstances that pull us to our knees in prayer daily, sometimes even hourly. We think of those who are dealing with cancer diagnoses and cancer treatments right now in varying kinds and varying stages. We think of Helene and Jim and Wayne, Phil, Sean, and Bill, and those who are currently hospitalized from COVID complications, and we think of Brianna and her family, and Sandy and Ed, and there are others who are home and recovering from recent surgery, Lord. We know that each of these children belong to you, and that you are in control of everything that happens from our first breath to our last sigh. Heal them as only you can do. And we celebrate this morning too, Lord. We celebrate new life. And we think of Tom and Leah as they welcome their little girl, Elsa, this week. Lord, we are healthcare workers who are tired and weary, yet show up day after day to care for their patients who are our loved ones. Give them the strength and the courage to continue to show up in the midst of the, all this hard stuff. Lord, we know that there are others, maybe right here in this room, who are carrying challenges in the quiet of their heart, things they don't want to share or they don't know how to share. But you continue to provide for them. You continue to provide for us, giving each of us strength and courage to face these challenges. Place the right, placing the right person in each of our lives to walk with us through any of our unknown. And we're also a part of an even bigger family, the church worldwide. We pray for our brothers and sisters around the world who are experiencing challenges of the pandemic, of disease, political unrest, war, hunger, hatred, and the many other things that exist. We need you to work miracles. May there be a peace that passes all understanding. And now, Lord, as we prepare our hearts to hear your word, we need your spirit to speak to us. We need your word to take root. So in your grace and mercy, speak. Encourage us. Lift us up. Choose to breathe your life into us. 
God, you are good, and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. I left your paper. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Dee just mentioned I, I have my sermon notes here, and I'm, it's always my fear that whoever's praying is going to take that with them, and I'm going to just be standing here like, <laughs> you know. Uh, by the way, uh, Dee Share is uh, planning, has been in charge of planning a, an Ireland trip coming up this April. If you want to go, the deadline got pushed up a little bit. And so if you are interested in going to Ireland this April, talk to Dee ASAP uh, so that we can get enough people uh, for that trip to visit uh, the Kerrigs and uh, see and witness and learn from their ministry down there. Uh, with that, good morning. Good morning. Uh, real quick little side note. Um, yesterday, uh, we went sledding. And uh, how many of you any, enjoy sledding? Is there, is there like a cutoff as far as age for sledding? No, okay, good. Uh, I, there is a cutoff for certain forms of sledding. I was uh, on top of the hill, and I'm noticing that all the kids like want a snowboard. And so they're all like standing on their sleds, you know, and, and, and sliding down the hill. And I'm like, I can do that. So, so I got up there and I stood on the sled. And it hurts a lot more. Uh, <laughs> To fall. Anyway, I, I tried that once and, uh, and thought better of it later. There you go. You know more. Anyway, whatever. I had a better, anyway, but better news, we, we went on a beautiful date night, and uh, that's more my speed. It was Yvonne's birthday this past week, and so she's, uh, she's a month older than me, so I'm in that month. That she's, what am I doing? Okay, let's get into God's word, okay? <laughs> let's take a deep breath. Hey, this week we're continuing our journey uh, through some of the parables uh, in a series we've been calling Scandal of Grace. And uh, throughout this series, studying Jesus' parables, uh, we've been reminded of how Jesus' parables challenge, right? They challenge our assumptions. They challenge our paradigms about how we believe and think the world works. Uh, but the kingdom of God is, is different from the rules of this world. And Jesus' parables help introduce that to the disciples and those who are open to the workings of the kingdom in, in, in that time and continuing today. Uh, if you're interested in continuing that conversation, we have a small group uh, kind of discussion groups Wednesday nights, 6 to 7.15-ish. Uh, we'll be talking about this parable this Wednesday uh, during community night. You're invited to join us, and that's been a fruitful and wonderful time. Uh, but this week's parable is no different. Jesus' parable once again challenges paradigms and assumptions. And uh, this week, uh, Jesus' parable challenges our tendency, uh, to, and, and challenges our tendencies in how we view and how we treat people around us. And so that's going to kind of be our clue. What are we looking for? What are we listening for in this parable as the parable of the weeds? And again, Jesus draws on a farming imagery, right? Because back in the first century, that was a farming, an agricultural community. And so these are all images that were very familiar to them. Uh, and this parable actually follows the parable we looked at last week. We looked at the parable of the sower last week. This, this one picks up right after that. And so Jesus is still uh, preaching from a boat, uh, while there are people on the shoreline on the Sea of Galilee just southwest of Capernaum. And so Jesus is speaking from a boat to a, gr a group of people who are gathered there. And these, this is the parable he shares after the sower. If you're willing and if you're able, I'd invite you to stand as we hear God speak to us uh, this morning from Matthew 13. We'll be reading verses 24 through 30. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the weeds sprouted and formed when the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir or master, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. 
At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, how you guided Matthew on what to include in this testimony about your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Spirit, for how you continue to speak through your word into our hearts and our lives. And so, Spirit, we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to hear from you this morning. May we be challenged. May we be encouraged. And in all of these things, Lord, may you be at work making us more and more into the likeness of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray all these things. God's people say, amen. No need to raise your hand, but um, just ponder with me if you've ever found yourself uh, in this, this kind of space. You're, you're, you're part of a church community. Maybe it's, it's having to do with your small group. Maybe it's, it's part of your neighborhood or at work. And, and there is this family or there's this individual in this circle of people uh, who you just love dearly. They're kind. They're caring. They're the kind of people who always step up to volunteer when a need arises within the community. They're the ones who walked with you when you lost a parent. They were the ones who always encouraged you. They're the ones who always gave your kids attention at church. They were the ones in the neighborhood who would, who would shovel your driveway and walkway and get your mail so that people driving by wouldn't realize you were on vacation, right? This is kind of West Michigan standard vacation practices, right? They were the ones, the family, that, that added so much to the life of your community and the circles in your church. And you find yourself sitting with them and they're sharing with you that a new job is taking them to another city, leading them to relocate. And as they share this, you're, you're happy for them and for the promotion, but in your mind you're thinking, no, you can't leave. You cannot leave this community. And part of you is almost tempted to call their employer and kind of sabotage the move, but then you think better of it, right? No, you can't leave. Or maybe you've been in a situation on the other side of that spectrum. There's an individual or there's a family in your church community, small group, neighborhood, or at work. And if you're honest with yourselves, with yourself, this person or this family just drives you a little bonkers. Maybe it's just little annoying things that just seem to always get under your skin like they are always falling asleep during the sermon. No one here, of course. Or they're like picking their nails during the church service and leaving them on the carpet. You know, something, ugh, what is that? Or maybe it's in small group. And you're in this small group with this, with this individual or this family and, and they're always trying to, trying to one-up other people's stories that they're sharing. And, and so you're in small group and you just got done sharing about back in high school when it was so formational and your team got to the state semifinals and, and that person then's like, oh yeah, that totally reminds me when my team went all the way and we were undefeated, you know, and God worked in amazing ways. You're like, what, why are you doing that? It's my story, you know. Or maybe this family or individual, it's not so much in little annoying things, it's, it's more serious offenses. It's a person who's become combative at church meetings or after the service or incredibly divisive in small group or in ministry's context. Maybe it's a person who's, who's confronted you about a decision you made or how you handled certain issues or situations at church and, and, and you, have yourself think, you find yourself thinking about this person or this family 
man, I wish they would get a promotion that would relocate them to a different city. Life would be so much easier if they just weren't part of this community or part of my life. Have you ever been there? If I'm honest with myself, I'd have to tell you that I have been there. And I've been there on both sides of, the persp- of, of that spectrum. I can think of instances where, where a family that I just loved dearly, who added so much, who was always stepping in for ministry, had, had, had shared, we're leaving and we're moving out of, out of the city. And I'm just like, no, you can't leave. And if I'm honest, I can think of other times where there was a family or individual who I just felt like, man, life would be easier if they just moved away or went to a different church because my perception was that this person was toxic or they just were a pain in the neck. See, the reality is that the world we live in, and this is true not only about the world we live in, but about the communities that we call the church, is a mixed bag filled with all kinds of different people who have all different kinds of of rhythms and how they do life and sometimes butt up against one another. And Jesus' parable of the weeds gets at this reality that, that weeds and wheat grow together in this world. Here's the questions I want to explore this morning. What what does this parable about weeds and wheat tell us about our world? What does it tell us about God? And what does it tell us about ourselves and how we should or should not be responding to this reality? First, let's look at God's world. What does this parable tell us about the world God has created The the world that God has made good. Jesus says this. He compares the kingdom of heaven and says the kingdom of heaven has become like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared." Jesus opens this parable with another unexpected and shocking word picture for the people, particularly for the original audience. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven was like, has become like a field with both good wheat and weeds sown in it. Good wheat, which is from the master, and Jesus says, and then these weeds which were sown by an enemy. Here's what's the most shocking, shocking thing for the original audience is this, that Jesus says that this is an image of the kingdom of heaven. This is shocking. Again, we're we're, we're hearing it and and maybe it's familiar and so it kind of loses its shock value, but the master in this parable seems content to allow weeds to grow with the wheat. And for Jesus' original audience, they would have been hearing this like, what? How is that a picture of the kingdom of God? They would be thinking, the kingdom of God is, is, when, is when the master comes and takes all the, wheat, the weeds out of the wheat. The kingdom of God is the field of wheat without the weeds. The original audience would be thinking, what are you, what are you talking about? The kingdom of God is to arrive when the Messiah comes and, and, and boots Rome out of here, Jesus. What are you talking about? Weeds and wheat growing together. The weeds should be eradicated. The evil, the sin, the enemy needs to be eradicated now. That's how this was a, just a shocking thing for Jesus to say. And, and in fact, we see the same thought process in the response, in the parable itself, of the owner's servants, right? They question the master. They, say, they, they see these weeds that have been sown, and they, they say, hey, uh, sir, master, what's up with the weeds? Do you want us to take care of it? Do you want us to pull the weeds out of the field, right? This, 
is all based on the assumption that there should not be weeds in the field, in the master's field, which is true, right? Weeds do not belong in a field of good wheat. But the imagery paints a picture for us, a picture of reality. Jesus is painting a picture of reality, the way things are in the world that we see. And here's the reality. The reality is that good and evil do coexist in our world today. In in some ways, Jesus saying this is, is strangely comforting. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But what Jesus says is good and evil coexist. And and if we look around, even today, isn't that what we see? Isn't that the reality that we see today? That the world that God created good is not how it should be. We look around today, and they looked around 2,000 years ago, and there's brokenness, and there's hurt, and there's loss, and yes, there's, there's evil. I don't know if there's anyone who lives on planet Earth today who would deny that truth. We see it in the macro when we look around our world and and we see disease and sickness. We look around our world, we see extreme poverty and inequity. We look around our world and we see the threat of wars and invasion. We see the threat of, of people not being able to worship freely without fearing for their lives. But we also see it on a more micro level as well, impacting each and every one of our lives as, as D prays and different names are mentioned who are suffering with, with cancer or COVID or you, you fill in the blank. We see the reality of evil and sin and brokenness in our world. And I say it's strangely comforting Because Jesus' parable mentions this and names this reality that we see. And as he names it, what we see is that the brokenness, the evil, the weeds, if you will, that we see in our world do not come as a surprise to the master. They do not come as a surprise to God. Nor is the presence of weeds or evil in our world evidence against God's work in this world. The master is not surprised by the weeds. He he responds to their question right away. Where did the weeds come from? An enemy did this. Which again is is, is a truth we need to hear. The, The weeds are not from the master. They're not from God. They are from the enemy. God is still God, even with what we see around us. But it does make us wonder. It makes us wonder, how do, how do we respond to this reality? If God has created a world that is good and yet the, the enemy has sown evil into this world, how do we respond to this reality that there is evil, there are weeds growing with the wheat? It seems as if there are two primary responses on a spectrum and a whole lot of nuance in between. But let's talk about those two responses. The first response is demonstrated. What do we do with the presence, this reality that evil and good coexist in this world that we live in? The first response is demonstrated by the servant's response. The servants offer this this kind of zealous response, this zealous impulse and tendency. What do they say? Verse 28, the servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? Do you want us to go take care of the weeds? There's weeds in the field. We need to do something about it. We got to get them out. Now friends, this, this impulse is not wrong, right? Any sensible farmer doesn't want weeds in their field of wheat. And, and usually the, the sooner you get weeds out, the better. But here we have this impulse, this, this zeal for righteousness, right? This zeal for justice. This zeal for, these are good longings. Especially when we're just talking about things in the abstract, like ideology and sin and behaviors. Like we want to get rid of those things that are, that are unjust or unrighteous, right? But Jesus makes something clear in this parable. The wheat and the weeds are not behaviors or ideologies or systems. Jesus names that the wheat and the weed in this parable represent people. 
And that's, there's a difference there. Because the moment our zeal for, for these good things leads us to identify and label people as either weeds or wheat, uh, in or out, good or evil, this is where Jesus' parable steps in and pushes back. The parable pushes, pushes back saying that, that sorting is too difficult and sorting is, is not our work. The master responds to the servants, no, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Instead, let both grow together until the harvest, and at that time, I will tell the harvesters to do the sorting, right? Two things that we can gather simply from this parable. The first is this, sorting is, is hard work, is hard it's hard to figure out. And the second thing is, it's not our job to do the sorting. The first thing, sorting is difficult. There's two layers here. First, most commentators agree that the weed refer referred to in this parable is a very specific kind of weed that looks very much like wheat. It's almost indiscernible to the untrained eye. You see this weed growing up and it looks just like wheat so that's one layer of this. It's very difficult to tell the difference between weed and wheat. Second, the, weed, the weeds grow up with the plants. It becomes difficult to pull out. Not only because they're difficult to discern which is which, but if you've ever weeded a garden and the weeds have become overgrown, what you realize very quickly is that those root systems become intertwined, right? And so the moment you start trying to pull up the weeds in your garden, you're, you're at risk of pulling up the plants you want to keep and preserve so that they'll produce a harvest, right? I shared last week that, that uh, we, we started a garden about 10 years ago and we, it was way too big, remember? And it just required way too much work. The other layer of that was that first garden, we planted seeds because, well, seeds are like cheap, Right? So you just plant all the seeds and you can buy all kinds of seed packs. We planted all these seeds in the garden and then, you know, we had tilled up all the earth, all the ground, and so it was just this beautiful dark soil, planted all these seeds, and then within like a couple of weeks, those seeds started to sprout. Well, what else started to sprout with those seeds? All the weeds. And I'm like looking at the garden, I'm like, I can't tell the difference between the weeds and I can't tell the difference between what are the plants that I planted. And so I'm like, how do I even weed this? Year, every other year after that, I got smart because I'm not very good at gardening. And instead of buying seeds, I brought like starter plants, right? So I brought starter. I'm like, okay, that's the starter plant. I know what that looks like. I know what's a weed. I'll take that out, right? Because weeds and wheat are difficult to discern the difference. And the second thing this parable pushes back on is it's not our work in the first place. It is not our work, it is not our job to sort and discern who is wheat and who are the weeds. Jesus says that he will have the harvesters. This is a different group all together to separate the two. It is not our job, it is not our work. And so regarding our response to this reality, there's a, there's a reality, good and evil coexist. How do we respond living on earth today considering that reality? Jesus' parable establishes another reality for us this morning. And that reality is this. It is not our place to judge and sort people. Jesus' parable seems to suggest clearly it's not our job to judge. It's not our job to sort people. And it doesn't take, it doesn't take much uh, understanding of church history to understand why. Because the church has, has been pretty consistent that we're pretty horrible at it, Right? Whenever the church has felt compelled to determine who is in and who is out, there are always, always a long trail of casualties along the way. People who are written off, people who are given up on, people who are never given a chance in the first place, and people, all kinds of people who have been wounded along the way. In our pursuit to be righteous, in our pursuit to be holy, in our pursuit to be, more recently, justice-minded, so many people have been left out, forgotten, written off, and hurt before the Spirit of God could finish God's redeeming work in their lives. 
There's something beautiful in this parable of God's willingness to wait. To let them grow together because God may not be finished with a lot of people yet. God is not finished with them yet. Our God is one who is patient, who is long-suffering because his desire is that the weeds become wheat. It says something about our God's character that goes way beyond our understanding and certainly way beyond our, the character of ourselves. It is not our place to judge. God has a plan that goes beyond our understanding and so he calls us to wait. We are not called, it is not our place to judge. It is not our place to sort people. And yet I, I say that and I think many today recognize the failures of our past and in an attempt to avoid repeating those failures, what has happened in our modern context is we've leaned into an opposite impulse or tendency. A passive impulse. A passive tendency. And, and this is really more speaking to our modern context, okay? So this is a step, we, we take the parable and we, we begin to apply it to our modern context. And, and, and it's not, so it's not necessarily mentioned specifically in this parable, but it's worth mentioning that our modern, our current cultural climate, this is, this is kind of the thinking. It's kind of this passive impulse. The thinking is this, wheat and weeds grow together in this world, right? That's the reality. That's the reality the parable makes plain. And the parable also tells us that we are not to be judges. We are not to be those who sort between the weed and the wheat. In fact, we don't know who is the wheat. We don't know who is the, are the weeds. And so we, we, maybe we really don't even know what is good or evil. The thinking follows in our fear to, to, to poorly judge. We simply look the other way. And in extreme cases, we're tempted to minimize evil and sin altogether. And we say, we're not the judges, so we'll just, we'll just let God sort it out in the end. And we're just going to hope and maybe believe and pray that, that everyone just turns out to be wheat in the end. Kind of it's kind of a character a little bit, right? But this kind of passive impulse recognizes reality too, that we're not to judge or sort people. But this impulse kind of diminishes reality one that good and evil actually do exist and coexist in this world. But Jesus' parable once again pushes back against this modern impulse, saying that evil is a problem and evil will be dealt with by Jesus Christ. What we didn't read this morning, and it was on purpose, is that this parable is actually another one of those parables that Jesus actually gives an explanation a few verses later, starting in verse 36, uh, Jesus and his disciples uh, leave, return to the house in Capernaum. And in verse 36, his disciples come to him and ask, Jesus, can you explain the, parables of, the parable of the weeds in the field? Starting with verse 37, Jesus answers, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. It's a title for Jesus. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin in all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Notice something about this explanation. If you, if you, if you compare Jesus' parable to, to Jesus' explanation, uh, there's, a, there's a focus that gets shifted. In the parable itself, the focus is really on the servants and their response and, 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 and the master's instruction to them what to do with the weeds and the wheat. But in Jesus' explanation, the, 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 the focus shifts 
And, and most of his words are focused on the harvest and the end of the age and this, this kind of, in, in some ways, disturbing contrast between the destiny of the wheat and the weeds, right? Jesus explains the parable in, in a way that reveals, undeniably so, that evil and sin are a real problem and will be dealt with in time at the end of the age. There is, there is no place for evil, sin, abuse, neglect in the kingdom of God when Jesus Christ comes again and to make the kingdom fully restored and all things new. Any position that fails to recognize this truth comes up short in multiple ways. Now again, we're, we're, we're taking truth from the parable to apply to our current context and cultural moment in a specific way. But the parable and Jesus' explanation of that parable does not allow us to replace one misguided impulse, this kind of zealous impulse, for another equally misguided impulse that we can just be like hands off. Like sin's not a big deal. Evil's not a big deal. Here's, here's the third reality the parable reminds us and the explanation remind us is that we have, we, we, we have to take seriously sin's impact and God's final judgment. We just can't ignore that or pretend like it's not real. The parable does not allow us to minimize sin. It doesn't allow us to minimize evil and the truth that one day Christ will come again and fully bring the kingdom of God here on earth. So any passive or laissez-faire kind of posture towards sin and evil in this world is not faithful to scripture, nor, I would argue, is not faithful to those we are called to love. Jesus' explanation asserts that everything that causes sin and all who do evil will be weeded out of the kingdom. And the reason is, is evil and sin is incompatible with the kingdom of God that is described as a place where there'll be no more mourning or crying or death. Those things are just not compatible with the kingdom that is promised when Jesus Christ returns. And so today's common refrains, well, you know, you hear like, well, what's the big deal, you know? Don't judge me. Let, let, let me live my life. But, but here's the truth about how, we, how do we respond to those, those statements. Here's the truth. Indifference is not love. To not care, by definition, is to not love, <laughs> Because loving is caring, right? When, when my kids, who are eight and four, are, are riding their bike on our driveway, and one of them starts zipping toward the busy street, what do I do? I yell at the top of my lungs, stop! Even if it upsets them. And it does upset them when I, when I yell like that. And they'll come back crying, but why do I yell? because I don't want them to get hit by a car because I love them. Or how about this? When I have a good friend who's headed down a path that is leading toward his own destruction, that's leading toward the destruction of his family, and I hear about that, I shoot him a text or I try to give him a call and I say, can we talk because you're my brother and I'm concerned about where this is leading. Now that's vastly different than what Jesus cautions against of pulling weeds and labeling like, you're a weed out of my life. No, but to, but to ignore is kind of a similar thing, right? No, instead, instead what, what, what I'm talking about is, is God calls us to love someone enough to think, you know what, I love you too much to ignore the fact that the path you're on is, is leading you down that same destiny of the weeds, right? It's leading toward destruction. And I love you too much to not say anything about it. Now, yes, ultimately, we, we, we don't control people's destinies. They have to make decisions. I, I get all that. But love compels a certain response, right?
So it leads to some implications for today. How do, how do these realities, we, we listed three realities that the parable kind of draws out for us. There's, of course, more realities. There's more things that this parable teaches. But we read these realities, three of them. What, how does it, what are the implications for us today? These are the realities, just to review. Reality one, good and evil do coexist in our world today. We see that when we look around. Reality two, it's not our place to judge. It's not our place to sort people to say, you're a weed or you're a wheat. We're, we're horrible at that, right? Labeling people, we shouldn't do that. But reality three also says we need to take seriously sin's impact and God's final judgment. What, what does all this mean for us? How do we take these realities and consider how we are to live in this world as God's people, anticipating Christ's return, that Christ is gonna come one day, make all things new. In the meantime, God is patient and longing for all people to be saved. Well, how do we live in that re, those, within those three realities? And it's a simple word. It's not... It's not uh, it's not a surprise, but I, I think the word is this, love. We're called to love. I think the implication for us today is that we are called to live with and to love the weeds and the wheat in our life, trusting God for his work to be done. We live in a world where we will be surrounded by weeds and wheat. That's the reality. And I think God's parable commands us that we're, we're not to isolate, right? Because in order to isolate requires some labeling, which we're pretty poor at. God's word calls us, we're not to insulate. We're called to live in this world. And I believe that God's word calls us consistently, not just here, but throughout the scriptures themselves, calls us to love. And we're called to love both weeds and wheat, which means we're just called to love people because we're horrible at trying to tell the difference, right? And we can't tell the difference. We're supposed to love people with a hope and a prayer that all people would be transformed into wheat by the grace of God, trusting God to work here and now and trusting God's work at the end of the age when the judgment comes. We are called to love. I don't know about you, but I can admit that, that I've, I've done that sorting in my mind. Maybe, maybe you're like me. Like for most of us, I don't think we, we, we do that kind of, that, that, that game in our mind where we say, mm. we don't typically do it like two people's faces, but it's kind of in our mind like, oh, I wish you would just not leave, stay in my life. I wish you would not be in my life. We, we're tempted to do that. And I can share examples I could share examples of people that I, that I just wished were, would leave my life and not be part of my life because I just figured life would be simpler, but they didn't. And I can tell you examples where those people stayed in our church and in my life and God used them for amazing, incredible things. And I could see how wrong I was to think that way. And I can share other examples where, where I just thought of someone, I was like, man, life would be easier if they just decided to go to a different church and they stayed. And you know what? It continued to be a challenge. And they continu- it was continued to be a work in progress. And it's not my job to discern who's wheat and who are weeds. It's my job to love and recognize that the truth is we're all a work in progress. And so here's the, here's the question I want us to just ponder. And for each of us, it's going to be different, right? Each of us, it's going to be different. But to just ask God, maybe this week or, or this, this, on this day in the quiet, how do, I, how do I love, how do I love in such a way that I best cooperate with and not hinder the Spirit's potential work in the lives of those people that I live with? Whether I think they're weeds or wheat, it doesn't matter. How do I love in such a way that I best cooperate with the Spirit's potential work, knowing that his love is patient and his commitment and his grace is scandalous and and persistent? How do we cooperate with that work? Let's pray. Let's ask the Spirit to speak into each of our lives. Will you join me? Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these parables that 
Lord Jesus, you shared that continue to invite us in to wrestle, to wrestle with our own lives and how we respond not only to you, but to those that you've placed in our lives. And Lord, as we ask these questions, Spirit, we pray that you would lead, that you would speak in ways that challenge us. Challenge us to reflect the love and the persistent grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because Lord, we each recognize, we, we know our own shortcomings. We know our own sin and our own failures. And Lord, when we recognize and remember, Lord Jesus, the extent you went to love each of us, despite our brokenness, Lord, may we be compelled to love in just a glimpse of that same kind of way. So speak to us, Holy Spirit, we pray. Move in our hearts and our lives. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I invite you to stand and worship with us. Once again, you're invited to join in a time of fellowship. We got some donuts and coffee out this way. Um, as we think about this parable, hear what uh, the Apostle Peter writes in 2 Peter um, that I think puts some explanation on the parable of the weeds, the weed and the wheat. 2 Peter chapter 3, starting with verse 8. He writes, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. 
Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. As we discern how we are to love those in our midst, may we have that same posture toward those in our lives. A love that is patient and understanding, a love that is longing for the Spirit to do that redemptive work in others' lives. As you go from here, receive God's blessing. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. Amen. Go in peace. This song is forever